Good morning. Welcome to Conversations with Friends with Mary Almwake, exploring ways to live our lives more fully in this wonderful world. We welcome your calls and thoughts at 242-7800. Conversations with Friends is brought to you on KAOI by Unity of Maui, where the heart is at home. Now, here's your host, Mary Almwake. Wow, what a beautiful Valentine's week. We always like to celebrate seasons here. Blessings to everyone listening. My co-host, Jim Jacobson, you did something very special for Valentine's Day. I was really excited to hear about it. Yes, well, I, you know, I have a dog who I'm very much in love <laughs> with. It's actually a dog who I got 14 years ago on Valentine's Day. I even registered her name as Maui Valentine Jacobson with the AKC. And for the last month or so, I've been working on putting together a little movie about how dogs share wisdom and love with the world. And I put up a website just this morning called DoYouRememberLove.com. Sent it out to a few people, and we've already had a 1,000 people all over checking it out. It's a, one of those heartfelt, you look at it and go, oh, that's so cute, at DoYouRememberLove.com. And it was really just a way of, of sharing love and celebrating the wisdom of dogs with the world. This Internet. That you young ones are. You're 40 yeah, something, we're, we're, but we're, the 20s, 30s, 40s, and my teenage grandson, that you would put something up in the morning and yeah. have a thousand hits yeah. all over the world. I mean, we are connected with a global brain. It is, it's just incredible. I mean, I used to, when the internet was just starting, I was one of the early people in it. And I would go around, I had a website that was focused on consciousness and spirituality. I'd go around and saying, the internet is really. Um, it's just God's manifestation of the interconnectedness that we all have, and it's so transparent on the Internet, and that's how great ideas are spread, things like the secret of totally just taken off because of the Internet. It's, it's just a wonderful universe we live in. We've got a very special program on Conversations with Friends today. We're talking to a world-renowned artist, mm. and he's going to share about poetry. Sacred poetry is like the language of the soul. And out people who don't think of themselves as creative, mm-hmm. he's going to uh, support you in making that connection. We'll be talking with John Fox in just a little bit, and then we're going to be talking with Prema, who travels the world teaching women to do the Tara dances, and and they're preparing to do a fundraiser for the Dalai Lama, and of course we're all excited about his visit. He's coming in April. We would tell everyone that there still are tickets available. It's April 24th and 25th. There's one free one and one paid one, Uh, and the tickets are available at the Mac Mm -hmm. box office, so please get down there. You're going to, that's going to be the most memorable moment, Um, and so we just want to invite everybody to take a deep breath Wow, the winter weather on Maui is so beautiful. The whales, the clouds, the rainbows, the breezes. I was having breakfast this morning on the lanai. Molly and I, we looked out, and there was a whole bunch of whales breaching for us at breakfast. So breakfast with whales is wonderful, and you don't get to do that just anywhere. We're no. lucky here in Maui. And this year, it seems to be especially right where I live, right on the Bay of Ma'alaya. Uh-huh. And the, every day for the last two weeks, every day, I'm watching dozens of whales. And then right up close, where I can actually see them without yeah. binoculars, I'm watching mothers and babies do those beginning moves where the mother stays there hours. And baby whales are just like kittens and puppies. They, they'll breach 40, 50 times <laughs> in a row. Yeah. I'm just thinking the, the muscles on those tummies as they come out of the water. <laughs> but enough of paradise. There's an inner paradise in all of us, and we're going to be talking with um, a poet, a wonderful, wonderful teacher of poetry, as well as an author. Um, His name is John Fox, and he'll be coming to Maui. He'll be doing a workshop this very Saturday. And, you know, we have several people. One of the things as you awaken to your spiritual divinity is creativity begins to flourish. Mm -hmm. We see it in every Unity Basics 1 class, every prayer class. The more people make that connection with their spirit, not only does love flow and service flow, but divine creativity. People who never could sing, sing. People who never could write, write. And people who never painted, paint. So we are real honored to be speaking with John Fox. I hope you're online. John, are you there? Good morning. I'm here. Hi. Oh, yay. Good, good. Where are we talking to you from? We're in Maui. Where are you? I I live in Mountain View, California. Oh, Mountain View. Just south of San Francisco. Yes. A little north of San Jose. So you'll be driving to that airport and flying in. When do you arrive on Maui? I'll arrive in Maui on Thursday. Wonderful. Thursday evening. And you're at the Big Island, too. Is that right? Be well, I'll be, actually, um, I'll be on Maui, and then I'll be 
for a seven-day retreat on Molokai. You're my, doing a retreat on Molokai? Yeah, Molokai. Wow. Um, at at the Ho'olana uh, um, mm-hmm. Retreat Center. How wonderful. And um, we'll give people information how they can reach you later on in the program. But, you know, how did you get involved in in poet, as a poet, healing? Which came first? How did it all get started? Um, Well, you know, I think I I began um, writing when I was young. I mean, I can remember first poems at 12 or 13 and... And I remember just falling in love with actually the imagination and writing when I was in second grade. Um, a teacher, Miss Watkins, would take the back page of Life magazine out, and that, that's about 1962, and it was sort of an unusual photograph of something, uh, uh, imaginative or even odd, and she would have us write a story about it. And I just remember just enjoying the opportunity to make something up. And so it's something that I sort of had felt for you know, since I can remember beginning to write. And um, so I, I decided I was going to be a, a writer, but then I think because of my, some of my own life experiences of having de- to deal with some severe um, physical problems um, got me to look at how poetry had been like a companion and a healing force for me and had helped me through these portals where, you know, I had to have breakthroughs. And so I began to see that it was, you know, in addition to being something beautiful in a literary way, that it was also something intrinsic, I think, to who we are as human beings and just creative sparks. And so I think that's when a transition began for me about at 18 or 19, I began to see that that I wanted to follow this using poetry in a healing way. And How, did, how um, does poetry heal? How does poetry heal? Well, it... Um, I think that it, that it introduces a kind of language that can be felt in, in the body, and that translates into um, sort of connecting with our intuition, with um, a kind of resonance. You know, like it, um, there, there, there's a poem um, that I wrote that I think I tried to capture this moment when people feel how a poem connects with them. It's... Um, they will just jump in. This poem is called Consider What Happens. Okay, please. It goes, it goes, consider what happens upon hearing a poem that moves you, that moves you, the nod of your head, tucking your chin close to your chest as if stopping to rest, as if you could cry now in the middle of a long journey. Hear whatever you regret having forgotten, even with your aching tiredness, which you sometimes cannot forget. All of a sudden turns to a surprisingly vibrant sky, as your eyes widen ever so slightly in a recognition that shimmers under your skin, wells up into a calm line of sight that is your own and goes on almost forever. Astonished, you walk outside breathing and slowly stroll in the fresh air, suddenly aware that back in your house, someone new, a stranger you like, has arrived. That is beautiful. Now, when you when you come up with the idea for a poem like that, how long does it take to gestate and become something as beautiful as that? Well, it's interesting. Um, you know, some poems come, I think, fully formed, and and they're, you really feel how um, they're become as a gift. Um, beautiful poem written by a nine-year-old. Her poem begins, if you praise a word, it turns into a poem. And the first lines of the poem are, praise this poem for letting me write it. <laughs> praise this poem for letting me write it. And I feel that some poems come just like that, just as gifts, and somehow not much needs to be done. Other poems, um, they call you to get into a relationship with them and to, to sort of spend time and see how it really wants to develop. So I don't know that there's one answer to one, you know, that uh, that poem, I think, came fairly complete. Um, but, um, and even poems that maybe, um, you know, aren't, quote, as beautiful, but still get down into what's true and real for someone can have a lot of power and meaning when shared in a circle of people who are listening with, um, you know, sort of letting judgment go, but allowing for curiosity and a kind of um, sort of 
willingness to kind of feel what's what's there. Which is more important in a poem? Is it is it the synthesis of the words and coming up with just the right words to say, or is it the sentiment behind the words? Well, I don't think it'd be one or the other. Um, in, of course, you asked me the question of what makes poetry healing. Well, you know, poem has, can have rhythm and sound and image and um, metaphor and um, feeling and all those different elements of language, rather than merely conveying a piece of information, but, but allowing someone to kind of have a sense for um, what experience is like, perhaps on an interior level, and how that may connect with the outer world. Um, it has both of those. It has both the, both the sentiment or the kind of kernel of the poem, but also the way it's, it's made. Um, and in doing the work I'm doing, I sort of want to show people how they can, they can find a shape for, for their own voice. Um, and it's, it's different than a purely literary approach to, to sort of analyzing or dissecting a poem, but more how can we um, sort of trust ourselves so we can begin to find what that voice has to, has to uh, inner voice has to say to us. And, and um, it, do you feel like everyone is an innate poet? Um, you know, we have people, guests we have at several, that everyone can sing, everyone can dance, everyone can. Do you feel that about poetry, that this connection with the soul and this developing a non-resistance to revealing more of its essence? Is that, yes, is yeah, that a call yeah. of the soul to be almost I, a poet, whether you write it or live it? Yeah, I think that's just it. That's just it. That's said so well. Um, and you know, and how, how do we? One of the things that comes up is how perhaps we got met as this isn't the only thing, but how we got met as children with our creativity. And maybe someone said, "Well, you know, to make a poem, you really need to do this, and not what you've done here." And so um, I, I remember one of the a story that um, an uncle told me. He was um, this is with his when his daughter was a child, um, she came to him with a poem, and um, the first thing he said to her, and this man was an editor for a newspaper, um, so in a way, you know, he had been trained to look at things with this kind of eye, but he said, honey, you spelled these words wrong. <laughs> and there was a fat look of sadness in his face, naturally, and um, he said, you know, and she never brought me another poem. Mm. Oh. oh, my. And... I, and that you know he he didn't intend to you know to you know stop this um, you know creativity in her, but it was um, I think it's a very um, can be a fragile place, and if we can meet it with that sense of curiosity and really respect um, and celebration, um, that it can develop. So you know when a person is in their eighties and they're wanting to write, that they can trust that voice. It's um, a good thing no one said that to E.E. E. E. Cummings, right? Well, that's right. That you don't know how that's to spell. Right. Yeah, or capitalize. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, well e. 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 yeah. John, I just have to put a pause on this wonderful flow. Your workshop this Saturday is The Soul's Language, a writing workshop of sacred poetry. And uh, John Fox is on the faculty of Integral Studies in San Francisco, teaches at the Institute for Transpersonal Psychology and the John F. Kennedy University. Um, he has written Finding What You Didn't Lose, Expressing Your Truth and Creativity Through Poem Making. Making and I love this one, poetic medicine: the healing art of poem making. His workshop is all day Saturday, nine thirty a.m. at Unity on High Street. And we're going to be back, John, if you can hold on. But we do need to hear from our sponsors that make conversations with friends. Come to the airwaves. So we're with John Fox, and he'll be right back. Thank you for listening. Conversations with friends with Mary Omwake is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a trans-denominational community. If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327. There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Trisha Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. 
where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Trisha Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company. And now, back to Conversations with Friends. You know, we want to also acknowledge uh, Myrna Stone and the wonderful real estate magazine, Real Estate Maui Style, which I think is the very best real estate magazine. It's free. It is. And I was talking to Myrna yesterday, and we were talking about the magazine. Because, yeah. you know, Maui has now, I think, nine different publications focused oh on real estate. This is so head and shoulders above the rest because yeah. so many things. But the content, the stories, the photos, the I mean, it's something that if you live here, and even if you're not in the market for a home, Pick it up because the content is so interesting. Uh, they're doing, you know, great stories all the time. Uh, next month in March, they're going to do a profile on the new mayor. Uh, it's just a fascinating publication, and you get the who's who directory too. And the January one, which is the past one, but I just got down to the Mill Arts and Cultural Center because they did a whole spread on the amazing um, artwork of Bailey, mm-hmm. the the guy who the Bailey Museum is named after, mm-hmm. and right up here on Main Street when mm-hmm. you go up the main. Bailey Museum, but they've got them showcased so beautifully. And then modern Maui artists. Mm-hmm. And you see Maui before there was any development. Mm-hmm. And the pictures and the depths, and it's just exquisite. And it's free. It's down at the Maui Arts and Cultural Center. Just a few more few more days. So get down there. Also, we do want to remind everyone listening that our Sundays are at the Seventh-day Adventist Church at the corner of Waikia and Pu'anene mm-hmm. at 10 o'clock celebration and oh it's so awesome we had Marty Dredd two weeks ago and Tony Torres in our choir last week and this week we've got Virgie Cantorna and, and Deborah Lynn and um, it's just a one awesome Sunday after another if you don't have a, a community to grow with and to seek that divine presence in you we invite you to try unity. It's a wonderful way of life. And our silence is always 30 minutes before every service, so it's at 9.30. Anyone who wants to come and be in the silence. And classes and programs all the time. Our Jesus class this week is looking at Paramahansa Yogananda, Hindu, looks at mm. the depths of the Christ teachings. And, oh, it is so profound, Jim. I've been reading this. And, um, and we have a centering prayer class starting in a couple of weeks. We've got the Season for Peace and Nonviolence Whale Watch on February 24th. The 4T Prosperity Program starts on February 27th, which is a 12-week guarantee to change your life or all your money back. I mean, where do you get a guarantee like that? Come in 12 weeks, practice these principles. If you don't walk out with a changed consciousness, we just give you all your money back because it'll change your life. There's so many things. This very Saturday, we're really excited. Um, the Soul's Language, a writing workshop of sacred poetry presented by a man who's a certified poetic therapist. I mean, that's a new job. A CPT, huh? How, uh, what is that, John? <laughs> that's so that? great. Well, yeah, certified poetry therapist. Um, I mean, the people have heard of art therapists and mm-hmm, music mm-hmm, therapists, mm-hmm. undoubtedly. So mm-hmm. poetry and poetry therapy is sort of the younger sibling of these other creative art therapies, and it's just not as well known, but um, it's using poetry in this in this healing way to really tell people to get in touch with their strengths and to have a chance to express what's true in them for them mm-hmm. in the presence of others. Um, we're asking questions about, you know, well, how do you know what a poem is? And and I think that when we have a chance to be in a circle uh, like we'll have at Unity on Maui on Saturday and really hear each other's voices, we begin to recognize this sort of natural capacity to speak in a, in, a, in, a, in a poetic way where language has a kind of this distilled, this condensed in a way that um, it goes like straight, can go straight to the heart. It really does. I, you know, I, I am a, I'm a kind of a marketing person, and I do what is known as copywriting. And I often talk to people who consider themselves as poets and say, you know, poetry is a great basis for copywriting because it helps you focus on what as you just said moves the heart distills the language brings the essence of what you want to communicate and that is so important and that's why I think poetry is such a natural connection with what is commonly called copywriting but it's just really great clear communication yeah and and that clarity actually sometimes people don't know that it's there they have to speak it out loud before before it's revealed, and 
to be able to do it again in that sense of circle of community where someone can discover something they didn't you know because often people say well this is nothing or nothing really happened or this certainly wasn't as good as theirs um but when it's read out loud and a kind of presence can be there to support that voice people will discover something that um that's when the i think the action of poetry as healer really begins to to lift off the page and begins to be felt in the in, in, in the person themselves, in the body. Speaking of um, reading things out loud, John, do you have a favorite poem that you'd like to share with us? From yeah, you? Well, yeah, I, mean, that's, I mean, it's a big question. Um, I was just looking <laughs> Which at is your favorite poem. child? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you know, it's so true. Um, a, a, one, a person in one of my writing groups for many years who wasn't, who is an excellent editor, and she also has a certain quite a quality as an editor where she constantly is questioning herself and is this good enough and um, so she grappled with that and at one point she wrote this poem called As They Are and um, it goes like this what if my poems what if my words, my poems, my fledgling poems were children, were toddlers trying first steps tumbling, skinning knees squealing with glee, splashing mud making a mess discovering themselves would I hold them at arm's distance, disown them, hide them, say what I imagine others will think, that they, after all, they really aren't very good? Mm. And could that be a way of protecting them, shielding, holding back? I know the mockery odd children can face. Instead, could I let them ramble along weedy paths only they know, lean close to hear them whisper secrets, learn learn what they need from me. Could I love them as they are, give them room to grow, a chance to shine? <clears throat> wow. And wouldn't that be great? I love it. I love that whole frequency that you just shared there because how many of us adults just have something in us we want to give, but we just aren't skilled yet to give it? And if we could go back to our kids falling down and we cheer them, you know, <laughs> they pull themselves up and fall down and we cheer them again. You know, they fall off their bicycle, we cheer them again. And uh, yeah. I feel like and you're going to do that at this workshop. Tell us a little bit more about that workshop, what they could do there. Well, um, again, you know, my approach is, is not the, sort of a t- um, you know, standard critique-based Mm-hmm. A lot of writing workshops might be more as an investigation, an experience of curiosity, um, a chance to sort of just let go of what we think others might think. You know, that, that line of poem is, is, you know, the, is it really about what others think. Instead, could I let them ramble along weedy paths? Mm-hmm. So I tend to bring some weedy paths along where people <laughs> can, you know, find their own voice and begin to appreciate um, that. Another thing that people may may feel about writing is that, well, it has to be good at the beginning, and it has to, or whatever one thinks about that, or it has to be nice, or particularly if it's poems about the soul's language. And there's um, a wonderful short poem that I often, I'm sure I'll probably read it on Saturday, but it's just short, and it goes like this. And to talk about the work with healing, I work a lot with people in cancer support groups, and oftentimes those are my the places where I love to go because people are willing to really show up because they've sort of said, this is, this is how it is. And um, so this poem can be helpful in um, sort of maybe making it okay to say what you need to say. Because whatever you have to say, leave the roots on. Wow. Let them dangle and the dirt just to make clear where they come from. Can you share some healing stories? Um, I'm sure people, you've talked about you're working in cancer support groups, so you're working with all kinds of, of people at various levels of writing skills. But as a healing modality, as an agent yeah. to bring the depths of the soul forward, do you have a story or two that 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 really would touch our hearts? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm looking at a poem right now that I wrote, um, and it certainly isn't about just the poems that I write, but I just happen to be looking at this one right now. I was working with, in a group, um, a cancer support group, and um, two women, Blake and Kim, um, were um, there supporting each other. Blake had um, what looked to be, one doesn't know for sure, what looked to be terminal cancer, and but they had decided to have a, um, um, a sort of a, a ceremony to con- confirm their love for each other. 
and they had asked me if I would write a poem for them, um, for that. And so, because I had seen them many times over the course of this um, group I had been meeting at the wellness community, Walnut Creek, I, I made this poem for them. And it's called Making Love at Twilight. Um, it's for Blake and Kim. I believe lovers are made from twilight. That's when names slip away, when hearts brim, and let go like flocks of small, silver-feathered birds loosening themselves in a rush from dark branches. They rise swiftly to swirl over this immense field of letting go. Something in lovers spills across the horizon, streams over cracks in their heart beyond what they know, dissolves into some loving ache as daylight turns to stars. And lovers cannot name the color of that sky. It is so exquisite. What they know right now is the next breath. Uh, the scent of one another. The place within that wants the other close. Um, and what was the experience for them Did you, when you shared that with them? I think they, they read that at their... Um, you know, it's the affirmation of their um, relationship. And I think they felt that someone had um, really listened to what their hearts, you know, felt together. And um, Kim asked me to read that at, at Blake's, um, when they had the memorial for Blake, um, after she had made her transition. And so for me, um, the poem became a kind of vehicle of, connection um, for them and then to share with their friends at the, when um, Blake's life was you know, really honored. Truly is the um, soul's language. Thank you. So what is the Institute for Poetic Medicine? I see this on your flyer and I just have to ask. Well, um, you know, I've been doing this work for since about 1981 and I've had um, brought into a lot of different environments. Um, certainly, you know, spiritual centers, and but the medical schools and with cancer support centers, and I felt that there's has developed a story to be told, and also others who I feel are doing similar work, and I wanted to have a an institute, a nonprofit institute that could sort of be a container or a vessel for for those stories, and if people were interested in becoming, you know, connected with it or supporting it in some way, that there'd be you know, a, um, a way for, for that to happen. So the Institute, if people are interested, they can go to my website at poeticmedicine.org that tells about the different sort of ways that we're using poetry in this healing way. So we've been talking with John Fox, and his workshop is Saturday, this very Saturday, at High Street in Unity, all day, 9.30 to 4.30, uh, having an opportunity to learn the soul's language, a writing workshop, sacred poetry, a really incredible price, $90. is very phenomenal for to spend a yeah. day with John, way, way under what you'd pay on the mainland. If you want to sign up, you can contact Jacqueline Tara at 242 9327. You can go online at events at unityonmaui.org or just show up. Uh, come a little early if you haven't called. We'd love to have you call first, but you're always welcome. And that's 242 uh, 9327 or go in the phone book and look up Unity Church if you ever can't find it. We'll tell you all about it. We're real, real excited, John. Thank you for making the trip over here. Thank you, oh, I'm John. Glad to. And can I mention one more thing? You Is can. Yes. Um, w one of the things that um, I've been involved in is the making of a documentary film about bringing poetry into hospital settings. I mean, sometimes hospitals are the most least healing places that we could go, I suppose. Um, but um, there is a growing movement to bring the art into hospital setting and happen to be involved with a wonderful group in Gainesville, Florida, at Chance Hospital, who are doing this. And this film called Healing Words, Poetry, and the Art of Medicine is going to be shown on Maui at Zeeland Friday evening. Where, where is it, it being shown? Well, at a place called Zeeland, which is at 2125, and I'm going to be learning, this is my first time to Hawaii, um, yeah. Kawahikoa Road. 
I, you yeah, know, no I think they can call, uh, go on your website. You'll have to put it on there, poeticmedicine.org, because there's no way we can get that on a live radio program. So go on poeticmedicine.org, uh, and maybe he'll put something up there on it for you to find it. And thank you very, very much, John. It's been great talking John, to care. you. take care. Many, many okay, blessings. That Aloha. Was, that was wonderful. Aloha. To it hear, was. Wonderful to hear poetry, you know, especially around uh, Valentine's Day when people are putting oh, poems yeah. together. And that was such a touching poem you The read. children made me birthday poems just a few weeks ago, and, and that just touched my heart. And, I, you know, I never thought about, did they spell it right? Because, you know, the, when they're learning to print and the words go backwards, <laughs> and you know that, like a word like astonished that shows up in a six-year-old's card, you know, somebody planted that word. Yeah. Anyway, we're just really grateful to um, be here today, the day before Valentine's, the day to choose love. Choose love all the time. And it's in every way. You, you see it everywhere, and it may become a little commercialized when you look at all the cards and chocolates. But it's really an opportunity to say, hey, as John Gray told us a few weeks ago, this is just a real opportunity to look at it and, and remember the connection and the love that you have with maybe that special someone and certainly with all of us connected together. And we pray that you'll feel that connection all the time. God's love for us is overflowing. Never a breath, never a moment that you're not in the field of infinite love. Mm-hmm. And and so it's good to pause and remember people that are dear to us and Maui itself because, you know, we're caretakers of this Aina mm-hmm. and this ocean and this great Aloha spirit. We've been blessed to be a part of it. Those of us who have moved here recently, we have been given a sacred responsibility to honor all those who held this trust and uh, to keep this vibration of aloha and love going. And that's something we have to learn. We have to let go of some of our mainland ways sometimes and really surrender to the grace of Maui. Which it, is all about love. It's all about love. It's it's like that website that I said. Do you remember love? It's the i dot com. Yeah. Do you remember love? It's just remembering because there's so many times in our lives that it's you may forget about love, but love is so key. Love is what it's all about. You were you were sharing a story. You went to a meeting of, of last week, and they were talking about all these things, and you said that love is the missing ingredient. It's always the missing ingredient in everything you do. And uh, if you're not feeling the vibration of bliss and joy and harmony, it's find the love. And, you know, just a simple exercise any family can do when they sit down to dinner Mm -hmm. or any group of friends can do when they go out to celebrate is just ask each one to tell a time when they were felt loved. And it can be everything from that first date when you were 14 or 16. It can be that first time you stood on the Great Divide in Colorado. It can be, you know, a time when your grandmother, you know, cooked you something when your heart was broken. But when people tell love stories, the field vibrationally shifts to such a place of bliss. You don't have to do anything else. It's a simple exercise for people listening. Mm -hmm. Rather than kvetch about how your day was when you sit around the dinner table Mm -hmm. or have a drink of beer, whatever you're doing, say, hey, let's all tell a time we really felt loved. Or, wow. And then you'll—it's just amazing. And yeah. then you can—the next time is a time when I gave love, mm. and it—it it will shift the vibrational field r- immediately. Well, we've got lots going on because we're going to be talking with Prema, who's got a great information about Tara and the Tara dance, a fundraiser for His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. How great is that—that that the Dalai Lama is coming to talking Maui? about love? That's the, what it's—that—that—that's that, what he just—you know—it's all about. And that's, that's it. Really awesome. so, my religion is kindness. We look forward to talking to Prema. We're going to take a break, but when we continue with Conversations with Friends, we'll be on with Prema. Conversations with Friends with Mary Omwake is a presentation of Unity on Maui. We are a trans-denominational community. If you'd like to join our families of sponsors on Conversations with Friends, please call us at Unity at 242-9327. There's a reason that Hawaii's premier mortgage company has successfully completed over $2 billion in loans for the people of Maui. With over 20 years of experience and a 99% loan completion rate, Trisha Morris and Premier Mortgage have earned the trust of thousands of Maui homeowners. Where mortgages are concerned, don't leave anything to chance. Go with number one. Call Trisha Morris and her team of magicians today. 874-8800. That's 874-8800 for Hawaii's premier mortgage company. And now, back to Conversations with Friends. 
Jim, it's a great day. It is. It's a great day. I'm so honored that Prema is joining us here. She she was just uh, going to do this by telephone, but it's much better to have you in the studio with us. How are you? You are... Um, well, Prema travels the world teaching the Tara dancers, and, and I don't know a lot more. So tell me more about this. You've been authorized by the Dalai Lama himself to teach these dances. Isn't that correct? As well as many great lamas, they have all asked that. Well, we he's do kind the of dance. the head lama. He's, I mean, <laughs> he's yes. kind of like after the pope. Okay, another Christian leader. Okay. Yes, there you right. go. There you go. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> so, so what? What is the Tara dance? Dance, dance, Tara dance. What is the? Yes, that's is good. It? And that's how we like that dance. Uh, like dance. Oh. It makes it sound yeah. more elegant. So, what? <laughs> what is it? Because well, I mean, I'm looking at a picture, and, and that is that is. This it's is amazing, a, this isn't it? It looks gorgeous because you're all in these beautiful robes like, like what you're wearing here in the studio. And you guys are doing a dance on Sunday, February 18th, and it's a fundraiser for His Holiness's visit. Yes, that's right. That's right. But what's the genesis of Tara dancing? Well, it's very interesting. It was born here on Maui. Oh. And it was... It was born here on Maui? Here on Maui okay. wow. as a gift to Lama Tenzin. Who was the Lama here at the at the Dharma Center? He was the one who established the Maui Dharma Center that's now in Paia mm-hmm. that is building the stupa. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who invited His Holiness to come. And he was so insistent. He said repeatedly, he must come. He went three times. In Tibetan tradition, you have to ask three times okay. to the great ones. And then they cannot refuse you. Really? So, that's, yes, that's that. it's a tradition. And so he was very persistent about this. How much time has to elapse between each ask? Doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> That's great. I like it. Time elapsed. Doesn't matter. (laughs) You just have to really go three times with all the appropriate accoutrements. And um, just a little aside, today is the anniversary of Lama Tenzin's death. Oh, my. When did he pass? How many years? It was a few years ago. It was. And... um, it, it's really so poignant that all of these things are coming together mm-hmm. at this moment. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you the story of the Tara dance. Okay. I was living in India. I was a student of classical Indian dance. And my husband, I, I married him there, but he was from Maui. And we came back to Maui. Yeah. And Lama Tenzin had just moved to Maui. So we met him, and at that time I was very involved in the Hindu expression because being a temple dancer and so forth. But because we knew a few words of Hindi, and Lama was, of course, missing India, you know, so we spoke a lot in our handful of Hindi, Mm -hmm. and just we were close friends, but I didn't take very many teachings from him. I came and went, but I was quite happy with my own path. But Lama... He appreciated, and so I would invite him when I'd offer the dance. And he then started inviting me to dance inside his little tiny temple in Haiku at the time. That's where the Dharma Center was in Haiku. So after a while, I said, you know, Lama, I'm only dancing these Hindu dances, Kali and Shiva and Krishna. And, you know, there used to be quite a separation between the Hindus and the Buddhists. (laughs) And, you know... um, Shouldn't I do something for you? And I had just started to choreograph because previous to that I was very strict in my practice. Okay. You know. So he said, okay. And at the same time, he had given me this prayer to Tara. Now Tara is the great goddess in Tibetan Buddhism, and she is the most revered and respected of all the deities next to Chenrezig, the deity of Omani Pemihung. Tara is the one, she's the mother, she protects us from our fears, and so every Tibetan turns to her. And what I didn't know is the prayer that he gave me is as common for the Tibetans as the Lord's Prayer is to a Christian. Mm. Everyone learns it as a child. Whether they know what it means or not doesn't matter. They can rattle it off, and they do it all the time to make this connection between the Holy Mother. Well, I didn't know that. He just gave it to me and said, Would you please make this so that we could sing it in English? So I didn't know anything about Tibetan Buddhism. I didn't know anything about Buddhism. I just had this text, and I'm working on the text. And so I tossed out all kinds of stuff, you know, (laughs) and rewrote it. About the creative process. Well, you know, I didn't know what he wanted. I just figured that if he trusted me, I would just do this. And one of my neighbors, uh, Jeff Munoz, who uh, built the stupa in Kanayo up above us, he... um, he was really singing a lot. We were doing a lot of bhajans, and he had this beautiful bhajan Tatara in the Hindu tradition, but it was the same mantra. And so I used that tune. 
And I rewrote it. And while I was doing this, I realized, you know, this has been danced before. In fact, it's just like the shlokas, which in, means in uh, Sanskrit, the string of pearls, the shlokas, of traditional um, dance. So I said to Lama, I think this has been danced before. And he said, okay. I said, well, would you like me to create something to this? And in my mind, it was going to be a professional dance. And I had a couple of dancers in mind who were, like myself, professionals. And I spoke to the first one. Her name is Lauren Galindo, incredible woman. And she said, I've been dreaming about Tara dancing also. <laughs> so, well, that's interesting. And she said, I imagine that all of our beautiful goddess friends on Maui are dancing. And I said, well, I don't know how to do that. Because I never learned how to. You knew how to do just like choreography of professionals. Yeah, Yeah. for a professional, right. And she said, no, I'm I'm sure it's, I'm sure. And I went, okay, you know, I don't know how to do this. And so why don't you, she said, well, I'll dream on it. Because she was a dreamer. She would come up with all kinds of revelations in her dreams. And so the next morning she said to me, you know, all I dreamed all last night was this golden spiral. And when she said that, it was as if my mind suddenly opened and I could see the dance. And I said, okay, I know how to do it, so let's do it. So I put together this very loose form, and we had a little celebration, and everybody came, and the llama came, and we danced. Mm -hmm. Well, the audience cried, the dancers cried, the llama kept bowing and I I didn't know what had happened because my mind of course was completely involved in keeping it all together and making it work so I was very curious about this and everyone insisted that it be done again and I'm thinking it was such a throwaway I mean it wasn't dance from my point of view you know professional dance and so I said okay we'll do it again so six months later we put together another event and it happened again and it was the same kind of unbelievably intense uh, experience with everyone. So this got me a little shaken, and I had to go to India to take Lama Tenzin. He'd been on the island uh, for so many years, and he wanted to go back to India. And I had to complete a certain section of my classical dance training. So I went with him, mm-hmm. took him to Dharmasala, and went to um, so he could go to to Dharamsala to see and, and, and the Dalai Lama. His, his, it was the first time pitches. that he okay. invited His Holiness to come Got to it. Maui, yeah. and I happened to be able to go in and meet His Holiness with him, and we had empowerments and this amazing blessing, you know, right. for this little Hindu girl, you know, <laughs> to go do this thing, you know. And then I went to see my Hindu teachers to complete a certain aspect of my dance training, and while I was there, I found these old manuscripts, a reference to them, and discovered the Tara. And the whole Buddhist, the Vajrayana, which is the aspect of Buddhism that Tibetan Buddhism is um, revealing, you know, these these specific kinds of methods, that it was very large in Orissa and that there were these old monasteries that were hidden way out in the countryside. So you couldn't even get to them by any kind of vehicle. So I took a bicycle. I put it on a bus. I was let out in the middle of absolutely nowhere, and I rode my bicycle down these country lanes and in fact I had to go by boat across these rivers with the bicycle and I found these old monasteries that were totally in ruins but you could see all the sculptural evidence of the fact that there was Tara, there was Shiva all of the Hindu and Buddhist deities were all together and there were these enormous heads of Buddha and so that convinced me that there was a connection mm-hmm. and then I started going to some of these great lamas, Kala Rinpoche particularly to say well do I have the permission to do this? You know I don't know anything about Buddhism and he said you do it's Tara, if it's Tara it has to be a blessing you know? and I'm, I don't understand. So I got back to Maui and the first thing Lama Tenzin and says to me is Tai Sita Rinpoche is coming and this is why I say many great lamas have had something to say about this he's very very high in the Karmakagyu tradition and very at that time he was very young very elegant excellent English speaker so he came and I said okay lama we'll offer the dance to him yeah and then if he tells me to keep doing it, I'll do it. Right. And if he tells me to stop, then I can stop and we won't talk about it anymore, okay? <laughs> so He sounds like a stage mother, Lama Tensa. Yeah. Uh, oh, go, he, go, was, go, go. he was really, you know, Lama means respected mother. Ah, uh, well, there, so he was her stage mother. And in there you go. <laughs> okay. There you go. So, so we were out in Kuau on the bluff of uh, a cliff there overlooking the beautiful ocean, and there were 20 
two of us, 21 plus me, and some of the children started doing a child's dance, and we had some protectors, men dancing as protectors. Anyway, we danced for Rimajay. And again, most of us didn't know what we were doing, and, you, you know, just it was just... group together, Maui So group. I thought, yeah, it was yeah, definitely yeah. Maui style, 100% Maui style, and I'll, I dressed everyone in my saris, because those were the only costumes I had that I could put on everybody. Right. And uh, afterwards, uh, Cedar Rimajay called me to his room to talk about this and I thought finally I'm going to be let off the hook and the first thing he said is I have never seen such devotion in dance before in all of my life and many people have done many things to offer to me I have never seen anything like that before so of course I took a big yeah Yeah, right okay Okay. and then he said this dance you are going to anchor this in places where it is going to be like the great monastic dances that will be performed once a year especially here on Maui. And then he said, you are going to go all over the world and teach this dance. So, of course, I said, no, I am not. I can't do this. How can I do this? I don't know anything about Tibetan Buddhist Dharma. (laughs) And my dance, the Hindu dance, I I was very, very cautious about being a performer because, you know, the ego and dance, it's, you know, I don't want to be a professional like this, you Mm -hmm. know. And I really said no many times. And he went on. He didn't even listen. He (laughs) he went on, and you should do this costumes, and you should do that. And he went on and on and on and so finally I stopped protesting and I just listened. Right. And uh, and then before you knew it, um, there we were. We were uh, – uh, I, I did retreat. Finally I said, Lama Tenzin, I need help. And he said, do Tara retreat. I did retreat. I accumulated mantra. And then people started inviting me from all oh. over the country. Wow. wow. All That's over a, the world. That is such a fascinating So oh, It's so now, wonderful. And did you write the verse to Tara to, or is that an, a traditional no, to Tara? Because I picked it up when I was in Dharamsala. Om Tare Soha is Tara's mantra. This is the yeah. thing that you said is said by, I mean, people, Tibetans just learn this early, as you said, like the Lord's Prayer. Yes, the 21 wow. praises. There are 21 praises to Tara. It's quite long, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what they learn by heart. And they rattle it off. But they don't know what it means. So when we dance for Tibetans, well, they get thrilled because they didn't know what it meant. We translated into English and then we translated, we went back to Tibetan, but we slowed it down. And I teach. And when you dance, you can see what's How hard is it to learn this dance? It's easy. This is why if any uh, women on Maui want to join us for this offering that we're doing on the 18th at the studio, they are most welcome. They are most welcome to join us to dance. No they would have to, necessary. They'd have to come to the training. We're doing it Friday night okay. from so 6.30 we better, to 9.30. This Saturday, so you better give them a phone number if they wanted to dance. Now, the 21 Tara, the praises yes. to Tara. There's 21 dancers, and each one takes an aspect of Tara. Is that correct? Well, yes, and then we create a circle of protectors around them, and they would dance in the protection circle. So it's much easier. All right, I was going to say, because it was pretty sophisticated when I saw it. It's very impressive. The ones in the center, um, they will be dancing the praises. So here's a couple of phone numbers. Okay. Okay. Write these down, and we'll give them to you at the end of the show. Now, first of all, Sunday, come to the event on Sunday. That's going to be at 7 o'clock. Everyone is welcome. And this is at the studio in Haiku, and the number is 575-9390 to reserve your ticket. And please do make a reservation because seating is limited there. 575-9390, Five seven five nine three nine zero, or look in your book or your computer. It's the Studio Maui in, in Haiku. Haiku, right? And that's okay, the now if they want to the dance, and that's no. a benefit for the Dalai Lama. It is. It's a benefit, actually, not for His Holiness Himself. For we're not allowed to do benefits for Him. Okay. It's for the Dharma Center to enable them to provide all of the different things we need to provide. His security and His comfort. It's really oh, astronomical. Yeah. I'm the money that has we've to done be three raised. census dialogues with His Holiness, so it's about a hundred thousand dollars by the time it's done. Just security, and now that He's. Uh, as head of state, the United States government is providing it's secret unbelievable. service. Thank secret you, God. Service, it's yeah. But they come through wherever he goes. People have come up to me and said, could you have him come over and bless my house? Mm-hmm. And Every place he goes will have secure, social security, social um, secret special ser- secret, secret service, service go out several days before yeah. and totally make sure he'll stay in places that can be well protected and not roads where you can only have one way in. They will <laughs> always have a protection around it. Thank you, God, because he is a national treasure. We're so yeah. grateful. And we're grateful to the Dharma Center and to you for creating this. 
But did we give them the phone number that they can come okay, and Okay, now if you want to come and dance, you may call 876-1960. Do that again. 876-1960. And the rehearsal is this Friday night. This Friday night. And okay. I'll give directions and information about it. But um, we... I. We are going to do the Tara dance every year, so if you miss out this year, you can still call me. I'll put you on our mailing list and our email list, and sometime you will be able to dance. It's a great empowerment for anyone who dances. And Boca Rinpoche has said, anyone who witnesses the dance, that you have the opportunity for obstacles in your spiritual path to be completely pacified for that time so you may experience the depth of your own mind's brilliance. So he recommends anyone who has the opportunity just to witness the dance, just to sit in its presence, to take the time and make the effort to do that. Now, don't you have a Tara CD? Because I took it with me to Dharamsala, and I went to bed every night. Every we night. Do. I was there six weeks with looking at the Dalai Lama's temple, and every night I would go to sleep to Tara. Oh, how beautiful. And it was wonderful. So what? Yes. how would they get a hold of your CD? Because it really is a treasure for anyone listening. And, and if you love the Mary movement or you love Kuan Yin or you, you have a sense of the feminine aspect of God, the Tibetan, and it's just a way of accessing divine love, but the Tibetan system of Tara, the understanding of the 21 praises, that the profound fierce strength and grace and wisdom of the divine feminine is so well expressed. So how would they get a hold of your CD? Because I have to say, we've just got a couple minutes. It's worth making the effort. If you guys have a pencil, how would they reach you for that CD? You can go to the website of traveling-light.net. Traveling-light.net. Right. And look up. And what is it called? Uh, it's called the Mandala Dance of the 21 Praises of Tara. Go to the Dharma Emporium. It is wonderful. I have to say, it is just heavenly. And um, I just put it on every night and just sometimes <laughs> would walk through the streets of Dharamsala and walk the temple uh, for an hour circling it. And it's so beautiful. What we are going to have them call. at the studio. We'll have okay. we'll have copies of all of our sacred music there and mm-hmm. other um, sacred items that we mm-hmm. used for the Tibetan refugees to help them in their situation. Well, we send many many blessings to the Dharma Center to Lama Tenzin on as his, where his soul soars. Probably back by now. Uh, what do they say, 45 days? The Dalai Lama told me they're back in in 45 days. I said, wow, fast turnaround for the Buddhist. But um, I, I'm just so grateful. The wonderful thing that they're doing is there'll be one free day with the Dalai Lama, that yes. it will be open, first come, first serve. So the funds that are being raised is to underwrite that day. And then only $25 for the day you, that they pay. So they're really making this available. One of the great teachers, I think maybe the greatest right now on the planet, truly a treasure and all of us are so grateful to you Prema. Prema thanks for being with Th- us thank today. Thank you. The program is Sunday. Join us Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at Seventh Day Adventist. Unity Church of Maui meets at the Seventh Day Adventist Church at the corner of Punene and Wakea. Celebration at 10 and silence at 9.30. Children's Church all the time. Just have the most blessed day. It truly is a great adventure. Join us again next Tuesday for more conversations with friends. I'm James Jacobson. I'm Mary Omwake, and I'm reminding you, don't wait tomorrow to love somebody. Aloha. Aloha.